0: Well, I believe it was a radical self expression. I just called a friend one day and said, Let's burn a man on the beach.
1: Let's burn a man on the beach. Let's burn a man on the beach.
0: Hi, this is Stephen Robbins.
1: And this is Evan Shulman.
0: And this is Burning Man.
1: According to us.
0: (laughs) Yeah, both both of us, although not at the same time. Yes. (laughs) Hey, Evan.
1: Hey, Uh, how's it going? Yeah, sometimes the, the not at the same time thing happens when you got one person on one coast and one on another.
0: That's right. And we weren't always on two different coasts. In fact, we met in the middle of the desert at Burning Man this year. It was my third time at Burning Man.
1: And my very first time.
0: And it was the very last day, and I was zipping over to visit a bunch of friends, and I ran into this giant key in the middle of the desert, and the key had little puzzles on it, and sitting on top of the key was Evan and his fiancée.
1: That's correct, and uh, that was actually our second time to the key because the puzzles had uh, uh, conquered us at, think, 3 a.m. in the morning two nights before. So we went back because we said, we have to finish this thing. Uh, it was a really interesting art piece. And uh, I think then at 6 a.m. in the morning, three days later, that's when we were back. And, and Steber came from the dust uh, in the morning sun.
0: Yeah, from, from the dust into the dust. And, and what we discovered is that we really – both of us love burning man and both of us are fascinated by the culture and fascinated by the extent to which the popular reporting of the event actually kind of gets i won't say it gets it wrong but it's very incomplete it really only captures i think a small part of what the event is about
1: yeah and 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 you know to some extent like that's what media does right they can only ever get a small picture that they then try to uh you know tell a story of to the masses so the masses can get some glimpse into it but uh, for my first time at Burning Man, and Steve, or you've been three times now, you know, it's definitely a different thing to experience something compared to reading about it.
0: Oh, yeah. As a matter of fact, I had friends trying to convince me for 10 years that I should go to Burning Man. And, you know, they would always say, oh, you know, sure, it's 110 degrees and totally dusty, and you know, this, <laughs> that. And I'd be like, I'd be like, I, you can just stop you can just stop there. I, I really don't need to hear anymore. And for actually, it was 13 years, not 10. And for 13 years, I let my fear of the dust and my fear of the heat keep me from going. And then finally, it was like it was the day, and they had convinced me, and we're driving up, and we got a late start. And so it was, I don't remember exactly what time it was like 3 a.m. And I get there, and we drive up. And we drive in, and this whole time, our car has had the air conditioner on and the windows rolled up because we didn't want to get dust in the car. So Mm -hmm. I'm still pristine and clean and cool. Of course. (laughs) And then we drive up to camp, and I open the door, and I get out, and boom, I'm hot and I'm dusty. And my brain says, oh, okay, I guess you're hot and dusty. I guess this is the new reality now. And literally, I didn't think about it again. And who knew I was <laughs> who knew
1: humans could adapt to different to different climates and environments
0: darn it it's so true <laughs> and as you say you know my, my imagination of what it was like was so different from what it was actually like
1: yep yeah and, and, uh, yeah and and you know I had heard about it maybe probably about the same time 12 I forget 10 13 years ago um but I'd heard about it you know when I was in college and yeah I had all these pictures in it but getting in that line for the first time uh this past August and rolling up to it uh and then just seeing how immense it was you know it it just does a completely different thing to you when you actually are there and seeing it compared to even just perusing photos that you might read in a blog or something like that
0: oh that was one of the things that was a made a huge difference for me because first of all I thought when people said Black Rock Black Rock City I thought it was like a giant campground that they called a city yeah. I didn't realize it was actually the size of a city.
1: Yeah, it's you crazy. Know. Like you look at it on the horizon and it's like, you know, from your – I'm not even talking about the, the the clock shape. But if you just look at the horizon, it would be like, you know, uh, 20 degrees to your left periphery to 20 degrees to your right periphery, like full panoramic view of a city.
0: Yeah. And and this is the piece – this is the piece that that the media doesn't really communicate because what sells is the sex, drugs, and the rock and roll. But – Going to Burning Man and then coming back and saying it was like a giant rave is like going to New York City and while you're there, <laughs> you go to a barber shop, and then you come back to your town and you go, "Oh yeah, I went to New York. New York is all about barber shops." Yep. And you're like, "No, th- there is a barber shop in New York. <laughs> there are several, in fact." Um, and one of the things I thought was just astonishing the first time I went to Burning Man was <clears throat> some of the sound camps where they do have have the big dance parties and things. Oh yeah. Some huge. of them are Oh yeah, like the stage is the size of a stadium stage and there might be thousands and thousands of people in the audience and those camps are just lined along the edge of the city in one place. Yeah. <laughs> like like on a map, on a map that part of the city is almost too small to see and that's what gets all the attention.
1: Yep. Yeah. Well, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the oil, so the biggest uh, decibels get the uh, the media headlines. I guess that's how that works. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I did enjoy several uh dancing opportunities uh on the periphery and even in the small camps where people are, you know, playing music and inviting you in to to ha- uh, come hang with them for a bit. So, I'm oh, guilty yeah. of enjoying the dance.
0: It, it's it, it oh, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> there's no raw, there's no one way to burn. You can enjoy the dance, but there's just so much more than than just the dance.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Um, so, why are you here? What what brings you to this podcast?
1: Yeah, you know, uh Steve and I, you know, you and I had been talking about this for uh, a little while because this is our first time recording it. But, you know, we left the playa, you know, at this point, maybe three, three months ago. Yeah. Um, it's a long time by now. And so what brings me here is, you know, we just had a fascinating conversation in the desert. And for my first time attending Burning Man, uh, that's what I kept coming back to in my mind is like, wow, everyone that I seem to meet here is just incredibly open and honest and authentic. Granted, there probably are people that are not that, but for the most part, the people I met were that. Um, And so we just had a great conversation. And our little uh, impromptu rendezvous at the key uh, key art piece turned into what, like a one-hour, two-hour conversation? And we said, hey, we should start a podcast. And in my mind, I had been really inspired by the creativity and the fact that this, you know, for the most part, fairly non-judgmental uh, community um, just let me really embrace creative choices that I'd been wanting to make um, but hadn't for fear of, you know, oh, what will people think? I don't know if I can do this. But there I just feel re- felt really liberated to just create. And then I think, yeah, that was like the last day that we met. And you said, hey, how about we start a podcast? And I'd been thinking about doing something in audio because I'd been exploring music. And So I said, you know what? Yes, let me take the step and say, absolutely, let's do it. I have no idea how we're going to do it. I just met this person two hours ago, but it sounds like a great idea. And so uh, that's why I'm here to kind of help extend that story from the desert, and also because what helped me to extend that story from the desert and take this step is, I think, the culture of Burning Man. That's something that's fascinated me. Earlier, I mentioned how you know I first heard about it when I was in college, and that's because a college professor of mine. his name is Dario Nardi, and he uh, he was my human complex systems, uh, basically departmental chair. So human complex systems was sociology, anthropology, uh, complexity science, really nerdy things that I loved learning about. And uh, Professor Dario would say, hey, uh, there's this thing called Burning Man. Uh, I like to do research there because it's a fascinating study of a community and humanity. Um, and so that's kind of, I guess, uh, in the back of my mind, the subconscious reasons why I'm doing this, because that's always... Fascinated me and stuck with me, and I'm I'm just really interested to kind of explore what this culture is and what it what it means to me and what I think it means for uh, those that attend.
0: Cool, and that's you know that that's related to. Um, uh, That's related to, obviously, or else we wouldn't have this this rapport, what I am here for. But my goals are somewhat different. To some degree, they're a little bit more selfish. I want Burning Man to continue to be awesome in the ways that I find it awesome, which means making sure that the word gets out to the kinds of people who might enjoy this and who might really really be part of creating this culture, this temporary city out in the desert. And also for people who aren't a good fit for that, I would love to have them go, oh my God, it's going to be hot and dusty. Ooh, I'm not going to go. Great. You know what? The mall has a fabulous new theater that has reclining chairs and they actually serve you food at your seat. Go for it. Go but for Stieger, it. Much you
1: were you were once one of those people that said, oh, it's going to be hot and dusty. I don't want to go. What's your take oh, on I, on how to- balance both the people that uh you know might not be ready for the hot and dusty with those that should maybe take that step into the hot and dusty
0: oh thank you very much for calling me on my hypocrisy we're, we're, <laughs> we're not even we're not even 10 minutes in and already <laughs> already you're taking me down well, a much well in to be fair
1: we, we've had really good rapport. and and Stever, you did share with me a, a link that I thought was really um uh, accurate you know you shared something uh, people had commented on Facebook, and it said, we sh- you know, we shouldn't judge people by who they are when they go into Burning Man. It's who they are when they come and they out come of-
0: out, which yeah. I thought
1: was was quite accurate. but but, sorry, yeah, go ahead, go ahead.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, and in fact, that is that is part of what I'm hoping to get at with this podcast because if 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 the me of thirteen years ago, had heard the kinds of stuff that I hope we talk about, I think I would have said, you know what, it's worth braving the dust and the heat to just give this a shot and see what it's about. And that's, you know, I don't know that it's worth braving the dust and the heat just for a big party because there's a plenty of places you can go to get a big car, a big party, and then you can go home and shower afterwards. Um, But, but there's so much more and it, and it is so much doesn't get the media coverage that my, one of my hopes with this podcast is this reaches people who otherwise would never consider actually going. And I think that would be, that would be really cool. You know, one of the ways that I think of it is, and in some, in this episode, maybe and certainly in later episodes, we're going to, we're going to be talking about things like the principle of participation, which says, if you're going to show up to the event, be part of it, help make it happen. And to me, one of the key differences between Burning Man and the other kinds of events I've ever been to in my life, you know, maybe other than a potluck, uh, is that, is that, the media represents Burning Man as something you go to and experience. And when I say I'm going to experience something, what that generally means is the something is going to happen and I'm going to consume the experience. I'm going to hang out and allow the experience to happen. Mm-hmm. And Burning Man is not like that. With Burning Man, you know, as you said, you can you can try new things there, you can kind of be the person you be a person who you aren't in daily life. And so the thing that's really appealing to me about Burning Man isn't even any of the specifics of what's there. It's more the culture. And I think of Burning Man not as a painting to be enjoyed, but as a canvas on which you help paint the painting. It's a place to go for you to be part of, part of, and, and you don't have to be an artist. That's the thing. I'm not an artist. Well, I guess I kind of am now, weirdly, because of Burning Man, in fact. But absolutely. I, I had never done anything that I would categorize as art since I was in like fourth grade and made one of those little, you know, you make mix up a flour and water and make paste, you know, and stick popsicle sticks in it, and your mother has to pretend to love it, whatever it is.
1: Bless fourth grade art teachers, absolutely, yes,
0: <laughs> yes. So whatever those things were, that was my last experience with art, and going to Burning Man and discovering. That this is a place where you go, you go to help create an experience, and if that creation is an expression of your creativity, then voila, you're an artist. It just may not be in canvas; it might be in experience, it might be in sound, it might be in in just going and like like playing around on with tying knots and inventing new knots, which was one of the bizarrely weird and significant things that happened to me at, at, at one of the burn events. Um, that I went to. So to me, Burning Man is a canvas. It's not a painting. And I keep coming back both because the event itself is just amazing, but also because the community and the culture is different and special and very much very much unlike the day to day culture that we live in. and it's it's a real eye opener to realize like, hey, you can live in a different set of rules here and it can work. And of course, you know, we can debate things like, could it work if we didn't have a highly industrialized society on the outside that people can buy things and then bring them out to the desert? But I'm actually gonna forego that question because that que- I think that question is a red herring. Because what this says is, is you know, we have a highly industrialized society, so how come we don't relate in our highly industrialized society to each other while we're in our highly industrialized society? Why don't we relate the way that we do on Playa? Because you know, in both cases, we have a highly industrialized society to support us. But on Playa, there's so much about the culture that that I love. That you know, that let's do more of it. Yay!
1: Yes, I I'm a hundred percent behind you about how it helps uh, us realize that we're artists and not just on Playa, but that we're artists back in our highly industrialized society communities. Um, I'm a hundred percent behind you about helping to connect to the culture and actually two interesting historical culture pieces and kind of preparing for these podcasts we were going to do. I went to the uh, I guess kind of official quote unquote. Uh, burning man blog and was kind of just reading about, you know, the history of the principles that we're hoping to get into in some of these episodes. Um, and, uh, a couple of the posts were by Larry Harvey, who's, uh, you know, essentially the founder of burning man. Um, he's the one who first took a man to a beach in San Francisco. Uh, one of the historical facts is that the reason, one of the reasons they moved uh, from San Francisco to black rock city um, was that as, you know, over the couple of years that they'd been doing it on the beaches of San Francisco, they started noticing more and more spectators. Uh, I think that's my word, not theirs. But people that would just hear about, oh, they burn a man on the beach, let's go check it out. Um, and there is this one time where a, a cop came by and said, hey, you know, we really can't burn it And a lot of the spectators started, uh, and I might be misrepresenting this, so definitely check out the blog yourself, uh, listeners. Um, But some of the spectators started, you know, booing and saying like, oh, we want to see the man burn. And in this post, Larry kind of talks about how that's when he knew that, you know, the culture was shifting a little and people were there to just, you know, witness this spectacle. Um, And they decided, hey, you know, maybe we need to kind of find another location for it. Uh, They decided on Black Rock City eventually, or uh, Black Rock Desert which is why it's called Black Rock City. And um, where was I going with this? I was going with this. Oh, because, uh, you know, by putting it there, one, it it gave them this big, uh, almost metaphorical canvas. It's a big, blank, uh, dusty desert. Um, But at the same time, you know, it does create that little bit of a barrier that if you really want to uh, experience and participate in it, you do have to put in some work. And just connecting that back to your comment earlier about, you know... um, yeah, it, it, it's, you know, one of the reasons we're talking about this is because it, it seems to me in this kind of mini historical review, we're getting a little bit back into Burning Man being a place where people are like, oh, I heard about this cool thing they do in the desert. Let's go and check it out. When really the source of it is uh, a community, a question, um, you know, this act of uh, creation, but also destruction and uh, encouraging people to kind of be their uh, most creative selves. Um, and then the other thing is uh, in reading the blog posts, um, Larry Harvey also mentioned, you know, hey, one of the missions of Burning Man is to uh, use the culture to connect with other people who understand and connect with the culture, but they maybe not have experienced it at Black Rock City yet. So I think in that sense, you know, this podcast really fits in because this is a beacon out via audio waves to anyone who is interested in the culture (laughs) and maybe hasn't heard about it. And we are calling out to you to discuss the culture. And if it resonates with you on some level, we invite you to join us on the
0: playa at some time. Absolutely, and so for this podcast, we have no at the moment at least this is our first episode, and we have no idea how we're going to do this. Nope. We figured we could just have interesting conversations. Maybe we'll have some guests. For, you know, who knows who we who we can or can't or will or won't get. Um, uh, but so so for so for today, we're going to just let, let's just talk a little bit more about about the event itself, and then about what's going to come next in this series of podcasts. So yeah. a lot of people call call this a festival. What do you think?
1: So I think that that is one perspective to see it in, but in all of its glory it cannot be confined to just a festival. And you know, you and I have talked a little bit, you know, as we prepare for this podcast about the different metaphors. So I think it is a festival in one particular uh, shape and form, but it is also a playground. It is also a conference. It is also a A community, right? And I could get into the reasons why for each of those. I'm particularly partial to talking about and seeing um, uh, Burning Man as a playground and what that means from a a theoretical construct of what a playground is and what people do on playgrounds. Um, Maybe we'll do an episode on that. And my fiance is the one who actually said, "No, Burning Man's a conference," and she's uh, she works in the um, uh, medical profession and she attends a lot of professions so that obviously kind of shapes how she sees it but yeah Burning Man has all the all the camps and people that are there are you know invited and asked to participate in some way shape or form and there's a whole booklet of, uh, different talks you can go to of a variety of topics. And so some people could, could say, Hey, I'm going to sleep at night when everyone else is dancing. That's cool. You do your dancing thing. Uh, I actually want to go to this camp at two o'clock and D and I want to learn about the latest on psychedelic research. And then I'm going to go to four o'clock and F and I'm going to, uh, learn about uh, particle board soldering. Cause I've always been interested in that. Um, so that's my my quick little mini response to, is it a festival? But I know, Steve, or you have thoughts on this as well? Uh,
0: oh, of course I do. And the, the definition that I love the most, and we definitely have to get into this in depth at some point, is you were the one who I had never heard it described as a playground before. And you were the one who gave me that whole discussion of what playgrounds are and how they work. And so, and I was like, oh my God, I'm you're right. Bur- I'm obsessed, Burning yeah. Man is a playground. Yes. Um, so the, one of the things that really speaks to me about Burning Man, and this was a phrase I, th- I don't know if it's an official burner phrase, whatever that means, but a lot of my burner friends use it. It's a duocracy,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which which means it's it's not something you experience; it's something you do. It's an active verb, and if there's something that you want to have happen to make the event better, do it. Yep. And you know, like a, I think in our in our real in, in the re- so-called real world or the default world, we've gotten so used to everyone having a specialized skill set that a lot of times it doesn't occur to us to do something if it's quote unquote not our job to do that. Mm-hmm. But you know, at Burning Man, there was an article that that came out just about a week after the burn, um, which you and I saw. It, it was in Business Insider, and the original title, and amusingly, they've changed this since yes, then. Yes, they, they definitely <laughs> have. But the original title said, like, you know, Burning Man, my first time at Burning Man, the orgies were lame. Yep. And and I'm kind of like, like, it's not the responsibility of Burning Man to give you an exciting orgy. It's a duocracy. <laughs> if you go to an orgy and it's not and it's too lame for you, make it more exciting. <laughs> you know, like, like it's, it's and, and you know, that applies to everything there. If you Absolutely. go, oh, I went to a cappuccino bar on the playa, and the cappuccino wasn't very good. All right, then next time you set up a cappuccino bar and do your own. And I don't mean that snarkily. I mean, I mean, if you find that the experience would be better in some way, make it better. Yes. My um, the first time I went. So for those of you who don't know, the Burning Man happens in the Black Rock Desert of Nevada in the United States, which is a highly alkaline desert. So. It's, it's, it's dust. So first of all, it's not gritty. It's weird. Like it's not like sand. It's just dust. And so you don't really feel it, or at least I, I don't really feel it on my body. However, it's highly alkaline, which means if it's on my body and I get wet and I leave it there for a week, it actually will like erode my skin and whatever. And you're warned about this. It's called playa foot. And they just tell you every night, make sure to wash your feet and do it with a little bit of vinegar and water to neutralize the playa dust. Well, I did that. So I did not have playa foot. However, I had playa hand because it had not occurred to me to take similarly good care of my hands, <laughs> and in the spirit of duocracy, after my first year, I said, "No one who encounters me on the playa should ever have this happen again. I will make sure of it because someone should have made sure I didn't have icky hands, so I bought a bunch of really acidic hand cream because the acidic cal- the acidic counteracts the playa dust, which is alkaline. And I bought a hundred pairs of those little salon gloves, little white cotton gloves. Mm -hmm. They can even be washed and reused. And one of my playa gifts is I go around with this thing of hand cream and these gloves. And when I encounter someone and I notice their hands are dirty, I say, Hey, would you like a hand massage? And I give them a hand massage with the acidic cream and I put the gloves on them and then we go our separate ways. And it's awesome because this is a case where I saw something that needed doing. Human beings need their hands protected from the evil from the evil playa that will eat through them. So I took it upon myself to make sure that at least for a hundred people out there, the ones who encounter me, for them, it's not going to be a problem. And by the way, people love hand massages. They'll be your friend forever if you give them a good <laughs> hand massage.
1: Yes, yeah, so so even without a uh, acidic solution to help ward off alkaline, if if you have a gift to bring, uh, a good one is hand massage. I agree, um, and and to your point about uh that is a fantastic gift, Stever, and I totally feel that. It, like if I had to say yes, that is Burning Man. You're you're looking out for other people, and you bring something that can make their experience better. Um, a, another story about you, because uh, the the other thing that I got for my first time going was. Wow, this is a place where everything you see is is the manifestation of an idea that popped into someone's head that was either this would be really cool or this would be really helpful. And so the hand massage is, I think, fits both of those buckets because it's it's very helpful and it's also very cool to get a hand massage. Um, but also, I remember talking to you and you were like, "Oh yeah, I made these uh, cards to help uh, people talk and you know introduce each other and." I was like, yes, that is exactly what I'm talking about because you were you were thinking about how you could contribute. Um, you had this really cool idea that was a little you know blip of neurons in your head, and then you manifested it because Burning Man allows people to just take an idea that would be cool or helpful and bring it to uh, life. So not only did you have the uh, hand uh, protection uh, brigade uh, gift, but you also had these really nifty cards that you had put together. Uh, and, and yeah, basically, you know, it, it was like a conversation starter type crowd. I mean, I could let you speak about it, but, um, I thought that was really cool from a duocracy perspective and a, and a story of mine is, uh, another, you know, all night me going out into the deep playa, waking up early in the morning and stumbling around to, uh, where the man had just burned. And there was a, a group of people cooking fresh meat on a grill that they had created, uh, the most surreal thing that happened to me there. Um, And lo and behold, as we're kind of, you know, eating uh, some of the food that was prepared and and given out, uh, a gentleman walks by and he says, hey, uh, I brought these. And he's handing out toothpicks and and floss because he had been to this uh, two years before, knew that people cooked meat there and thought, oh, you know what? I keep getting things in my teeth because I'm eating meat, barbecue, barbecue, and he thought, oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring floss and hand it out on the day that they do this. And that's what he did. And I was like, yes, this is perfect. This is exactly what I need right now. Thank you. And I think that's, that's partly what, um, to connect to another piece of, like I guess, you know, playa terminology, Burning Man terminology, you know, the playa will provide in a sense, right? And I wasn't expecting it, but it was lovely to uh, walk into that gift.
0: Yes, and one of the things people do say the playa provides, and I think there's a couple of different ways of interpreting that. Um, yes, yep. uh, Some people say, "Oh, I'm not going to prepare. I'm just going to show up and let people take care of me." Yeah, and that you know, in some sense, maybe that's the playa provides. Um, but but I really don't like that. To me, that just in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways, violates the experience of Burning Man, and among other things, it now makes other people responsible for your experience. Yes, you know, and if you're having a problem now, now you're you're kind of you're offloading that problem on other people, hoping someone fe- feels good or bad enough towards you to take care of you. But basically, basically, it's. It's weirdly manipulative. I don't, I don't, I really don't, don't care for that interpretation. But the interpretation that I do like is if everyone shows up and you have everything you need to take care of yourself, which is the principle of radical self reliance, mm-hmm. and you bring extra and you think about how you can contribute to the community, which are the principles of community, uh, of civic responsibility, community effort and gifting. Then what happens if everyone does that? Then there's more than enough for everyone. And what ends up happening is the playa does provide in the sense that, whoops, I forgot my dust masks, and someone else thought that their gift to the playa or a gift they were going to bring was extra dust masks, and there's one around. But there's a big difference between, wow, I came prepared to give, prepared to make this a more awesome event, and um, whoops, I forgot my dust mask, versus, well, I'm showing up, I'm not bothering to prepare, I'm not doing anything to contribute to the event, but, you know, gee, I need a dust mask, give it to me, please. Yeah, and, exactly, exactly. So well, I just sneakily listed a few phrases there, like radical self-reliance and, and gifting. Um, these are some of the ten principles. Dum to dum. The ten <laughs> principles are. Um, uh, well, I say you wrote this paragraph in our little script, so I figured you should you should read this. Oh, or yeah, talk me, about what let what let the ten principles uh, are because these are the really what there. makes um, these are really what makes Burning Man different. I think from a lot of other events is there's a there's a very articulated culture that is that evolved organically, but now I think is very consciously maintained and evolved. It's not static, but but through these ten principles.
1: Yeah, and um, I think the paragraph you're referring to. I'm just going to kind of read it here. This is also again you could find this on the website, um, but it says uh, Burning Man co-founder Larry Harvey wrote the ten principles in 2004. Uh, I just made a note that 2004 is actually 18 years after the first man burned in San Francisco and 14 years after it first burned in the Black Rock Desert. So this wasn't something that he said, hey, we have 10 principles and we're going to do this thing. It was uh, what I believe is kind of an emergent thing uh, out of uh, 14 to 18 years of, of this experience. Uh, so so Burning Man co-founder Larry Harvey wrote the 10 principles in 2004 as guidelines for the newly formed regional network. And um, just a quick side note on the regional network, that is the idea that uh, Burning Man should not just be a thing that happens uh, and people go to once a year in Black Rock uh, City, but it is something that is a, a culture and a community that can be experienced um, regionally in local uh, uh, enclaves around the world. Um, so it's guidelines for the newly formed regional network in 2004, uh, they were crafted not as a dictate of how people should be and act, but as a reflection of the community's ethos and culture, as it had organically developed since the event's inception. So again, these are guidelines. They're not like, oh my gosh, you are not doing numbers one through three, uh, shun shun on you. Although Steve or maybe you have different opinions. Um, <laughs> yeah. But but the idea is that you know uh, it's a reflection of the community's ethos and culture. And going back to that you know story about moving from the beaches of san francisco to uh, black rock desert i think that fits in with that because you know in my interpretation of that story um larry was trying to say hey i I, we had a community ethos and culture here i can see that it's kind of getting a little bit off of this thing that i see that's emerging so let's move it to this other place and um, continue to kind of you know foster that ember there and I think that we're kind of continuing to foster that with conversations like this, and really kind of exploring what these principles mean, and um, how we can continue to use them as guidelines and 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 evolve them over time.
0: Yeah. And there's a couple things. You mentioned the regional network. That's just a reference to the fact that now there are burns, as we call them, all over the world. Yes. And they run by the same 10 principles, or they they strive to. And it creates, again, a very Specific kind of community, and since I happen to, it's funny. After I went, so I, I was expecting on a scale of one to ten, I was expecting to have maybe an eight out of ten good time my first burn, and I ended up having a twelve out of ten. And then I was like, okay, that was just because it was my first time. When I go my <laughs> second time, I'll have my the sophomore slump. I'll hate it the second time. Mm-hmm. Well, the second time it was a fourteen out of ten, and the <laughs> third time it was a sixteen out of ten. So I being an overly analytical naval gauge.
1: You gotta change your scales.
0: I know. I need a logarithmic scale or something here. Um uh but I started examining what is it about it that ha- makes such a huge impression on me. And when I really sat down and thought about it, I didn't think, oh, it's the ten principles, but I thought, oh, it's these elements of the event. And then I went and looked at the ten principles and I'm like, oh, wow. Like it actually is the ten principles. That, to me, make the event so special. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, so uh, yeah, so I um, you know, you kind of said, maybe i maybe I don't think people have to follow them, and you know, you don't have to follow them, but if we can create a culture where people end up end up understanding how valuable they are and following them, then it will be an awesome thing. If too many people show up and don't follow the 10 principles and treat this just like a giant party, then it will stop being an awesome thing and it will just become a giant party. And giant parties are fine. I mean, you know, some of my best friends have been to giant parties, but I'm not, you know, to me, that's not the valuable part of Burning Man. The valuable part is that it is an experiment in intentional community that has a specific set of articulated values and guidelines. And it's really, really neat, you know, plus lots of cool art. Absolutely.
1: Um, and, and if I can go nerdy for a little bit back to my human complex systems days, uh, these days, the word meme is like an internet meme, and it's a picture with some text and haha, people laugh. Um, but the word meme actually comes from a field called memetics. And the idea of a meme is it's like a culture's gene. So a person has a gene, which is, you know, very DNA, and a culture can have memes, which make it up. And so to your point, uh, these 10 principles um, are memes and, and is part of the uh, kind of fundamental DNA, as it were, of the Burning Man culture. And so I completely agree. If we don't necessarily, you know, pay attention to these and what they mean and, and why, why they lead to the kind of culture and experience uh, that people have um, and, and put into to making it what it is, uh, then we kind of lose the essence of what it is. And so uh, I, I agree with you that that's why it's important to kind of reflect on these and understand them and, and see how they change over time. Um, to keep the DNA of Burning Man alive, but evolving.
0: So is this DNA going to take over and revolutionize the world? Because people talk about this, like, oh, Burning Man is going to – and in fact, there's a book by Cory Doctorow called – excuse me, Walkabout, which just came out last year. And for anyone who's ever been to Burning Man, it's very, very clear that what the book is about, it's what if Burning Man culture took over the world. Uh, he even uses the same terminology that that we use at Burning Man for certain things, but he never actually says Burning Man. I don't think in the book. Uh, is that going to happen? Um, I personally, um, I would, I, I think there are some amazing things about the culture, and I would like it to happen. I think in some ways, interestingly, it is possibly a healthier culture. Than real life, and at some point we're going to talk about this. But one of the big debates in the Burning Man community right now is that it has become stratified to some degree between the billionaire set and the people who show up and make everything happen. Mm-hmm. And there's a big debate as to what should, what if anything should be done about that. Um, but. I I don't think that Burning Man itself can change the world. Like no, it's a it's a, it's an event, and in fact, if the event were year round, I don't think it would be anywhere near as special because to make it year round, well, it, it's it, part of its transience is part of what's so special about it. Mm. However, the ten principles and Burning Man as a laboratory, I think, can provide a template. So if change is happening, it's something that people who have been there and have experienced it will have in uh, in our experience. and We can say, you know what? It actually is possible to create a culture where A, B, and C happen mm. or where D, E, and F happen. You know, mm. It's possible to create a culture where people can self-express even in ways that you personally are not interested in um, but in ways where each individual is still respected for whatever it is that they're doing, even if it's not your thing. Um, you know and people can still live in harmony next to each other for example mm. you know mm. seems like a small thing but it as i think we're discovering on the national stage at least in <laughs> america it's not a small thing <laughs> yeah yeah um, um,
1: yeah to the to the question of uh, do we think that burning man will revolutionize the world um, i i was again kind of just you know perusing the blog on the website to kind of uh, get a better take for myself about you know the history and where it came from and um Again, there is was a, this post by Larry Harvey that referenced the mission of the Burning Man organization. Or actually, I think they refer to it as a project. The Burning Man project uh, is meant to find and connect this culture, um, which I would argue has kind of counter mainstream culture, right? Because, oh, we, we go here because this is different uh, from what we experience when we're not here necessarily. And we kind of like what we experience here um, in many ways relative to what we usually experience in, in mainstream culture. Um, and so I guess my argument is kind of that, you know, if this culture does get expressed, uh, and that can be expressed by, you know, defining these principles, uh, talking about these principles, living and doing these principles. Um, but again, it doesn't have to be just these 10 principles. Um, and if the if the mission of the project is to connect this culture uh, and organize it, so by starting at one desert and then these regional networks and then in daily conversation, uh, then yes, it can revolutionize the world because – in many ways, I feel like society is a culture—a a connection of uh, values and principles and beliefs. Um, so it, it could revolutionize it, uh, whether in a in a you know utopic type fashion. Uh, I, I withhold judgment of that one, but I do think that you know uh, expressing this culture, connecting the culture, organizing it um, can lead to change and and revolutionizing the quote unquote mainstream culture uh, that we live in.
0: Now, how about on a personal level? Do you mm. find that it produces personal revolution, epiphany, anything like that?
1: I do. Yes, especially coming from, uh, and this is kind of another terminology that the "quote unquote" default world or predominant culture experience. Um, you know, as I said, this was my my first time, and uh, one of the mornings, again, late night, fell asleep for two hours, woke up as the sun came up, and was walking back and passed by a camp who invited us to add to their community art project, which was really great. They had all these little glass, kind of glass discs that they were saying, hey, write one word about what your Burning Man experience is. Uh, And I wrote inspired or inspiring, and my fiance wrote transforming. Um, And and for me personally, again, it was the the non-judgment that I experienced, the almost radical acceptance that I felt there. Uh, And so it did lead to this personal revolution where uh, you know, prior to Burning Man, I would have still been thinking about maybe trying to do a podcast and some other creative projects. And at Burning Man, I not only did creative projects, uh, I never sewed in my life outside of fixing a button on my jacket. And I was inspired to make some uh, just creative fashion pieces because of the people that I met in the camps that I saw. Um, and then now coming out of Burning Man, I feel very inspired and transformed to, uh, create and find my voice and, uh, and share that with others. So yes, for me, definitely it's, it produces personal revolution.
0: And I'd have to say for me, it does too. I think mine, mine was somewhat, uh, well, it had some of the same elements and, and somewhat different. I, so I don't think it, for me, it didn't produce epiphany as in like, oh my gosh, it's completely changed my outlook on life. What it did.
1: I agree for me too.
0: Yeah. But it, it gives the experience, of it's really for me the radical acceptance combined with the lack combined with the gifting economy frankly it's this is a place where where we're not trading in the currency of how normal and acceptable quote unquote can you be and we're not trading in the currencies of dollars what we're trading in the currency of is who are we and what is the ex- what is the experience that we create for each other in the world so um mm. you know, and and there's a combination of a lot of the things you mentioned. Like there's obviously some non-judgmentalness in there. There's some radical acceptance. And radical acceptance doesn't mean you have to do what someone wants or whatever, right? If you're if you're going like, hey, you know, I'm the unicycle guy and I only, you know, I only do things on unicycles doesn't mean I have to ride a unicycle to talk to you. <laughs> but you know, you can be the unicycle guy and I'll be the clown nose guy and we can have a conversation. And you don't have to wear a clown nose, and I don't have to ride a unicycle. And we can just kind of be like, okay, cool, let's, you know, let's, let's be accepting and nonjudgmental of each other. Um, about
1: each other's radical self-expression. Yeah.
0: Right. You know, it's, it's so, and that for me was just really cool. Plus it awakened my inner artist with, and we, well, I'm sure we'll talk about it in one of the project or one of the episodes, the quest cards that you mentioned, et cetera, which I'm even going to probably be turning into a product. Um, and um Yeah. So so like that. So I think that it really is a place – if you're just looking for a party, you'll just find a party. But if you go and you're really looking for, for, can I experience this in a way that I don't experience my daily life? I think it's really powerful in that regard. And this is one of the ways – and I'm just going to give a little bit of a preview of one of the things we're going to talk about at some point. There's this big debate over what's called plug-and-play camps which are camps where rich people hire other people to go in and set everything up and do all the grunt work and make their meals. And the rich people just kind of, you know, live and play around and just go, you know, yeah, yay, I'm rich. And all I have to do is consume the experience that's being made for me. And I actually think that although they're having a more comfortable time at Burning Man than I am, I actually think they're missing a big chunk of it. Because um, they're continuing to operate the same way they do in their normal day in their their normal lives. They pay someone who does all the stuff for them. They expect that person to do the stuff in return for dollars. I'm just like, I'm like, what's special about Burning Man is precisely, specifically, that that dynamic doesn't exist. So you find other ways of connecting with people. Um, and you know and it's non-judgmental because it's not i am the payer and you are the worker it's we are both here together we are both taking care of ourselves and we are both figuring out how we can make each other's experience better and that's really cool absolutely so we've been going for a long time i guess these might end up being more than 20 minutes long
1: i know that that's that's what happens when we just get off on our our uh excitedness about uh, all the all the topics all the things
0: Yes. So I think what we're going to be doing in future episodes, I know we're going to be going through the 10, possibly 11 principles and really kind of delving into each one to share with people. These are the elements of the culture that are interesting and different and special and valuable about it, uh, about Burning Man. And then we're just going to be jumping into lots of different topics that we think are interesting that people don't normally think about. Uh, and, you know, we might, we might talk about what's the difference between a day, between daytime and nighttime at Burning Man. How does Burning Man relate to mindfulness? Um, what do you do about food? Uh, what is Burning Man like on foot? And why does that matter? Um, you know, should there be standards for admission, etc. And so anyway, I think we're, we're going to have a fun time with this. Even if no one else ever listens, we'll entertain ourselves endlessly.
1: Absolutely. And, and that's definitely part of the reason why we were doing this as well. I think we both identified, we just want to have fun. And I think that's part of enjoying a playground is about having fun and, um, and meeting new people and having, you know, new friends that you have fun with. And, uh, for those that, that do listen, uh, and have made it this far on the first episode. Um, of course, we're not doing this in a bubble. So, uh, you know, participate and let us know what you would maybe want to hear. And if you haven't gone before or if you're an old timer or you just went once and, you know, if you want our take on things or if you want to share your take on things, uh, I would say we're open to it.
0: Yes. And I'd love to give you contact information, but we don't have a website yet or, nope. <laughs> or email addresses or anything, but we'll get them and we'll post them in notes somewhere and then we'll say them in future episodes once we've got them.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll figure all that out when we get there.
0: Exactly. So thanks for joining us. Um, and uh, tune in for our next episode. This has been Steve Robbins.
1: And Evan Shulman with This is Burning Man.
0: According to us.